Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Happy Saturday. Happy cutdown day. We are finally there after all the hemming and hawing over the past few months. Getting notifications left and right on my phone. We finally have arrived at the initial, let me repeat, repeat here, initial 53-man roster uh, that the Bills landed on. Uh, there will be some changes in the coming days. I am Matt Perino, joined by my co-host, as always, Ryan Talbot. Got him in the bottom right corner there. It's kind of weird. And Josh Reed, my man from Channel 4, sports director. I had him have the, I had to have him on this show because I am joining him tomorrow on Channel 4, uh, Buffalo Kickoff Live. I'm so excited about it. And uh, we're just going to be jamming all year long. So I thought, let's get this thing going. How you doing, Josh? Yeah, I'm doing great. It, uh, it's been a... It's been been a busy Saturday, which I think we all kind of expected it to be. Anytime there's roster cut down day, it's constantly on your phone and constantly on social media, and you're checking and refreshing and refreshing. And here we are. It it, it came to an end. Kind so, of- yeah. So there's a bunch of things to jump into here, but I think one of the first things that I think is super shocking. We'll get to Trent Murphy in a second, but Jake Fromm is going to land on the 53 man roster. The Bills are going to go with three. Uh, quarterbacks, and we'll open with Ryan, and then I'll switch it over to you, Josh. Are are you surprised by this move, and why do you think that the Bills decided to keep Fromm and three quarterbacks uh, in the mix here? Yeah, I'm a bit surprised by the move. Uh, I thought that maybe uh, Fromm was on the outside looking in based on camp, based on what they had seen from him. Uh, Even some of the the whole tech scandal that had been going on earlier this offseason, I thought he didn't do himself any real favors. So, the fact that the Bills decided to bring him back does speak volumes of what they think he could be and what they think he could develop into. Um, so I, I was a bit surprised. Now, now that being said, the Bills are probably thinking down the road, who's our number two? Because Matt Barkley's not going to be here forever. So they do need to develop and work on getting someone there. And they probably weren't sure if Fromm could clear waivers. I, I, I was surprised. You know, I, that's not a guy that I – I thought was going to make the 53 man. I, I didn't see a whole lot of people that had him on the 53 man roster. And if you did kudos, um, you know, that's a lot better foresight than I had. Um, 
I just thought that with no preseason games, it was going to be so extremely difficult for him to make it. And, you know, at practice, I don't know that I ever saw him really pop on the field and go, oh, wow, they may have found something with this guy. And, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that he can't do it because, quite frankly, we didn't see him much because they're trying to get Josh Allen all these reps to make sure he's ready to go when the season rolls around. So it wasn't that he played bad in practice. We didn't see him barely at all in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, they, the Bills got a really good scare there uh, a couple weeks ago when, you know, Josh Allen and uh, a few other players missed practice with all the COVID protocols uh, with the fake positives. And I think that this is kind of just a, a situation where, you know, I go back to the right after the draft and talking to Brandon and like how they talked about him not being on their radar, Jake Fromm, and, you know, the surprise factor then that they even took him. And I thought to myself after the draft and everything, there must have been something that, you know, whether it be a conversation that Brandon had with a, with somebody at Georgia or something a- along that process that made him really believe in him to use a fifth round draft pick when there was some, some other talented players at that spot. So I guess like as we get to the other end of this thing, I guess I'll just play devil's av- advocate. I'm not as surprised because we know how important it is that they develop players even though this roster is where it's at where it's at now and let's be honest i mean they they should be competing uh this year i do i'm not surprised because i think that in a league like this where i feel like there's always uh teams looking to get an edge or or you know you know backup quarterback positions that may not be completely uh ironed out yet a guy like jake Fromm, who's who's pretty bright uh, by all accounts, can maybe come in, learn a system, and help help things out in the room right away. Um, but you know, in, in this day and age, you need some depth at this position. And another position that they have depth at now, great depth, is along the defensive line. They end up keeping Daryl Johnson and Trent Murphy. Uh, they are going to eat, uh, you know, that that big cap hit uh, this year because let's be honest, Trent Murphy, like Sean McDermott said, has built some equity in this locker room with what guys expect him to do, what they can count on him to do. Josh, uh, what was your first impression? And I'm pretty sure you were one of the guys that thought that they were going to to make this move and keep him around. Yeah, I did. I I never really, and trust me, I wavered on plenty of these. You know, every time I look at, okay, this could be the 53 or that, that was one guy that I just never moved off of. I thought that Trent Murphy was going to make this team. I feel like this team is in a, hey, we're going to win this year and win a lot this year. And keeping Trent Murphy on your team makes your team better. The roster is not better without Trent Murphy. The roster is better with Trent Murphy. Is the cap situation better without Trent Murphy? Of course it is. But guess what? If you are in win right now mode, which they are, you keep Trent Murphy. And you worry about the 2021 salary cap in 2021. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's worry about now. Don't worry about, don't worry about later. Worry about right now. That's one of the things it's taught me. And I think the bills went, you know what? And and, and the other thing is, you know, if, if the, if the COVID thing comes up as we saw the false positives and everything, if it comes up on a game day and the bills maybe lose one of the defensive ends and maybe somewhere along the line of the season, a guy gets dinged up. Suddenly you're down maybe two of your better defensive ends. The regret would have immediately sunk in. Well, if we had Trent Murphy, 
well, now you don't have to. Now that thought never comes across. And I just think that this is a good move. Trent Murphy played really well the tail half of last year and in the postseason. So I, I think that's another reason that they looked at him and went, we're better with him than we are we are without him being on the roster. And Sean McDermott, I asked him. I asked Sean about Trent Murphy uh, last week. And he said, look, uh, he sees a big difference between Trent this year in training camp than in last year. And I think yeah, I think that, that that went a long ways. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said. Uh, in my last 53-man roster projection, I had Trent Murphy making the team. Uh, I said he sets the edge well. He gets quarterback pressures, and like Josh said, in that second half of the season, he was getting after the quarterback with success. One sack against Pittsburgh, two against the Jets, two against the Texans in the playoffs. So it, it, the all-around game was there. The $8 million cap savings, yeah, that would have been nice for 2021 where the cap is supposedly going down to about $175 million. Uh, but like Josh said, think about now. You are expected to win this division for the first time since 1995, and Murphy is a guy that can help you achieve that goal. All right, so I had to um, pin Ryan to the big to the big spot here because this was the scoop master today. I mean, this dude was out here breaking news left and killed right. It was impressive stuff, it. Josh. He killed it. It was impressive every time I. Every time I'd flip on Twitter, I'd go, oh, man, he's got another one. Yeah, it was <laughs> impressive. Um, and, and let's talk about one of the big ones. And I want to give Josh some kudos because he found the tape. He went to the tape like the good re veteran reporter that he is, and he found his appearance on our podcast a couple months ago where he said – when we were asked, what is your under-the-radar guy to make this roster? And he called it Reggie Gilliam, while Nate Geary, unfortunately, went with Trey Adams. Not not good, so good in hindsight, but we'll, we'll leave yeah, Nate alone. Unfortunately, he had that mustache back there. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. But, but Ryan, uh, you obviously had the scoop on that today. What were your impressions? Yeah, you know, I was a little bit thrown off when they changed his position. They gave him a new number, and they said he was a tight end, especially with Patrick DeMarco uh, pretty much missing all of camp with that neck issue. So it threw me off a little bit. I didn't know what they were initially thinking that, there, if he was going to have a spot. But, you know, good for him because, by all accounts, when, when his number was called on in practice, he made some plays, whether it was uh, catching the ball down the field, making some key blocks. Is this a year sooner than they probably would have wanted to change hands at the fullback position? Probably, but, you know, there's not much they could have done with DeMarco and that neck injury. But, you know, good for Gilliam. A really cool story. Walk on uh, in high school, walk on at college. Then he doesn't get drafted, but he makes his own pro day tape by going to Walmart, getting a tripod, and driving from Toledo to somewhere in PA just to find a field to record it. So, you know, those are the guys that are pretty easy to root for. And, you know, in terms of Gilliam making the roster, I, I mean, Josh, you, you called it back then. What did you see in camp? I mean, we were out there most days watching him in practice. I thought he made some good plays, but I thought he, he never seemed out of his element, ever felt uncomfortable with the opportunities that he did get. Um, and I'd take it even further back before camp. Um, when he signed as an undrafted free agent, um, I called a friend of mine, Jason Candle, who's the head coach at Toledo, and just kind of asked him about, Reggie Gilliam and you know he spent a lot of time with him and his comment was Reggie plays the second most important position in my offense and he said behind quarterback that is the most important position it's the most difficult to learn because it's they're expected to do so much and I so that tells me that the kid's smart 
he, you know, he sticks his nose in the playbook and gets after it. And, you know, I think that, you know, just in hearing Jason kind of say that and Jason isn't having known him since, you know, back in elementary school, this isn't a guy who gives out compliments very quickly. Um, but he had a lot of love for this guy. And, you know, I think Sean McDermott, he's the way he kind of described his character seemed like a guy that Sean would really like. And it was funny because I asked Sean about Reggie Gilliam last week and he was pretty quick to throw the smoke screen at us. It was, <laughs> he's got a long way to go. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of made me go, Oh, that's interesting because I thought he was going to make the roster. I thought that he would beat out DeMarco and then, I kind of went, oh, okay, well, maybe. And everybody else kind of went, oh, let's put pump the brakes maybe on Gilliam a little bit. They switched the number, like Ryan said, kind of made everybody take pause again. And then and then it ended up just being exactly what it was. It was kind of a smokescreen, you know. Sean, obviously, he doesn't have that much to go if he makes, or makes the 53-man roster. For sure, for sure. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, There's so many comments, so many people watching. This is awesome. I know you've been waiting patiently because when we saw the two linebackers cut yesterday, the Bills made some early moves, Voshan Joseph, uh, Corey Thompson, guys that were battling at the ed- end of that depth chart. Uh, I think that you know a lot of people were like, all right, let, bring me some analysis. Patrick DeMarco has been placed on season-ending injury reserve. Tommy Sweeney originally activated off the pup was returned a few hours later to the pub. So they really got things going yesterday. And then as things started progressing today, one of the early uh, splashes, uh, Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic reported that Isaiah McKenzie was in the plans for the Bills to keep him. And, you know, at, at first thought, we thought, you know, seven wide receivers, um, Isaiah Hodgins, you know, somebody that, you, you know, a few hours later, we saw him post uh, to social media, seeming like he was going to be safe. But then the shocker at the deadline, uh, Andre Roberts was going to be cut. Now we have reported, according to a league source, Andre Roberts and Dean Marlowe, who were both cut, both surprise cuts. Plan is to bring them back tomorrow. A lot like what they did last year with Kurt Coleman, kind of uh, a gentleman's agreement, if you will. Let us get, take care of some uh, some housekeeping, and we'll get you back in the mix. Um, but how do you, you know? Let's start with you, Josh. How do you think that they did navigating this thing? You know, we expect John Feliciano to go on uh, that IR, maybe be eligible to return in three weeks. Uh, we'll see what else they do with this roster, but how they navigated all of this uh, at the, at the final hour. Yeah. I mean, I think it helps when, you know, the, the head coach and the coaching staff and the general manager have the trust of the players. I think that that goes a long way in being able to have that quote unquote handshake agreement. You know, I think that Dean Marlowe has been in the building long enough that he's built up a rapport, you know, with Sean McDermott, you know, with Leslie Frazier that, if they tell him, look, you know, and, and we're assuming that, that this is the case, that they are planning on bringing him back. And, if you know, that if Sean tells you and, and Leslie t- told him that, hey, you know, sit tight for 12 hours, we'll circle back, everything will take care of itself. And that those guys trust him. I mean, they, they don't they don't have any reason to doubt, you know, their head coach and, and of course, Brandon Bean. So I think they navigated it perfectly, got, perfectly but. You know, I think that every team, you know, finds themselves in this situation where they have one or two veterans that they really want to bring back. They need to kind of situate themselves with the with the IR list and being able to put somebody on it and bring them off by week three and not have to lose them for the season, if you will. So I think it's, you know, I think we've found that it's pretty common around the league. I think the Bills do as good a job as anybody. 
Yeah, simply playing the system. You know, Roberts will come back. He, he was solid as a return man. The one thing he doesn't do is really turn over the ball, and that's the, the big thing that McDermott preaches is, is a lack of turnovers. So he helps the Bills flip the field as well. Uh, and Marlowe is just that safety valve in the secondary. He's been with McDermott since Carolina days, so he knows the ins and outs of this defense. So, you know, knowing both guys and, and what they're going to contribute to this team, it, it's smart to release them now, have this handshake agreement, whatever they can do with maybe like a signing bonus, whatever the case may be when they re-sign them. I'm sure it's going to work out for all parties. Um, moving to the defensive backfield, and it, it's interesting because I, we talked about this uh, last night on the Buffalo Fanatics pod, and I and I, I said after all the hemming and hawing the last week or so about you know will it be Cam Lewis that gets cut or will it be Dane Jackson who will get cut? You know, I started to kind of pontificate a little bit. Listen, Sean McDermott kept five cornerbacks last year, and with Josh Norman, Tre'Davious White, Levi Wallace, Saran Neal, and Taron Johnson, you have your five right there. I know that there's some hamstring issues that Norman and Wallace are dealing with right now, but if they believe they can maybe sneak you know, Cam Lewis and Dane Jackson through and get them back on their practice squad, which it seems like most teams are pretty confident in being able to do that with some of their younger players, then it does make a lot of sense to go in with it with the five guys that you're comfortable with that you know are going to see snaps right away. Uh, but I thought Cam Lewis, I mean, all the way up into the end, and of course I have the bias, the UV bias, but I think that uh, he had a great training camp. I was expecting him to get a, a real strong look because I thought he earned a roster spot. But it continues to be the case that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, they really depend on the flexibility of guys like Taron Johnson, Saran Neal to go outside that that allows them to kind of keep just those three boundary corners and, and kind of go from there, Josh. Yeah, you lost me at pontificate. <laughs> <laughs> How many Coronas are you in, hey, my come man? Come on. You, hey, if, I, if, if it's spelled out in the teleprompter, I'll read it. But that doesn't mean <laughs> I know what it means. No, hey. I, I, I'm with you, though, on that. I thought Cam Lewis had another good camp. I thought he had a good camp last year. I thought he did everything. Look, he did everything that you could possibly do without having preseason games, right? He did. I mean, he did. Like, I thought he had good practices. I, I mean, I thought that he had a better preseason than, than Dane Jackson. So I thought if it came down to those two, it would be Cam Lewis. Um, and it ends up being neither. Here's the upside. That tells me they're very comfortable with the health status of Levi Wallace and Josh Norman. They don't think that's going to be an issue, which at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. I think that we learn by, you know, the idea of them cutting both Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis. Now, I also believe that those are two prime candidates to return for the practice squad. Yeah, w without a doubt. Both guys look like they would be good additions to that 16-man, possibly 17-man squad, depending on what they do with Christian Wade. Uh, and I think they have a really good chance of clearing waivers because there are some talented cornerbacks that were released elsewhere in the NFL today. You know, two guys that I thought even would fit with the Bills if the Bills wanted to add another cornerback, guys like Razul Douglas, who has played a lot of zone cornerback in his career. Nate Hairston, a former top 30 visitor for the Bills, a guy that they met with at the East-West Shrine game. Um, so there's a lot of, and there's m many more, but uh, I think that there are two guys that you could sneak back onto this practice squad. Like Josh said, Here, here's the one thing I want to add this real quick. Maybe one of the, and I just thought is maybe one of the upsides of not having preseason games is if you like how deep your roster is and you feel like you've released some young guys that can play, you're the only one who knows that they can play or not. Right. Cause there's no tape on them. 
anywhere, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the the Bills may look at Dane Jackson and go, you know, we really like him. We like Cam Lewis, and guess what? Nobody else knows if they can play or not because there's no tape. There's no tape anywhere, right? And you know, I was actually I was talking to Lorenzo Alexander today uh, for a few minutes, and and that's the same thing that he said. And you know, because I you know I texted him and said, man, it's it's a bummer to see Cam Cam go, but you know the expectation is they try to get him back on the practice squad. And he said, yeah, that's the thing, no tape, no tape on these guys. And you know, even even in a regular year when there's preseason games, it's still preseason. There's that kind of caveat that comes with the really good tape. So to your point, I feel like they're they're really set up to kind of have their pick of the litter here as we look through. You know, I thought one name that was a surprise, Evan Bame, is a guy that has real versatility, a guy that could play both guard spots, can be the backup center. And without um, John Feliciano in the mix early on, if Mitch Morse goes down now, who are you looking at? You're looking at probably Ryan Bates, who is almost their uh, absolute uh, incredible utility guy. I mentioned this on a few podcasts ago. I called him Jose Akendo because he reminds me of the old St. Louis Cardinals player. And uh, somebody in the comments mentioned that Ike Bucker and uh, Jose Akendo made it. Nice. Yes. Yes, indeed. But Ike Bucker has that um, versatility as well. Yeah, and Butker uh, has some experience there with Mitch Morse from Kansas City as well. So that's a guy that he's leaned on throughout his career because when the Bills first released him a few years ago, went over to KC, got to know Morse a little bit there for that brief tenure or that brief stint, and has been with the team ever since. You know, Butker's this guy that kind of flies under the radar every year, but it, it's pretty clear and apparent that the team likes him because he keeps making this main roster after that first year where they released him and lost him for a, a brief period of time. So. You know, they're going with the guys that they know. Like you said, Ryan Bates. I mean, what a, what a great trade that ended up being for the Bills, uh, sending away Eli Harold, who I don't even know if he's still in the league, to be quite honest. I know he was with someone. In, yeah, cut got by the Reds or by the Washington football team today. Okay. So, you, you know, Bates, though, could be the backup. You, you have Butker. So they have some options, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this, all this really comes back to an important piece of this is, is John Feliciano. Right. I mean, that really is if it, you know, when he had the surgery, he said, look, I'll be back week four. Remember? I mean, he said, I'll be back for the Raiders game. You know, we'll, we'll see you in Vegas. That was his big <laughs> thing was. And if he is on schedule, which, you know, we tried to ask Sean about that. And, you know, he said, oh, it's hard to keep him off the practice field and in the training room because he wants to be out there with his guys. And so we didn't really get a clear indication of whether or not he's on schedule. It, all indications are that he is. Um and if he's back, then everybody shifts kind of down one spot, if you will, because, um, you know, that's, that's a guy that has been so dependable since he arrived here. And not only dependable, like being there, but playing well when he's in the lineup. And he just adds that nastiness that you, we always hear about from John Feliciano. And, you know, it, you know, the back end of that, you know, the offensive line, you know, is a lot less important as soon as John Feliciano's healthy. Mm-hmm. Six receivers as it stands right now, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah Hodgins, and Isaiah McKenzie with Foster going to get brought back in the mix tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do because the expectation is Feliciano, like we said, goes on that IR spot. Maybe they put someone else there uh, as well or make another uh, move. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the linebackers, and th- that was an interesting one because like we mentioned earlier, Joseph and Thompson get cut yesterday. In a surprise move this morning, the Bills made a trade for Andre Smith uh, with Carolina earlier this week, gave up a, a conditional seventh-round pick. They cut him. 
Uh, and it makes a lot of sense if you think about it, because now they don't have to give up that pick because he didn't make their 53 man roster. They keep Tyrell Dotson. And then I, I think I set Twitter ablaze uh, with Delshawn Phillips making the 53 man roster. And what's funny is I was talking with Ryan. I'm like, man, I really hope my source didn't feed me some, uh, some junk here. And I have people texting me like, Hey man, are you sure about this before I tweet this out? And I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you, he, he made the team. So I think this is a guy that came over last year. Uh, they signed him in October. He was signed as an undrafted guy out of Atlanta. And I think that they like what he did uh, last year, learning the system, getting up to speed. And then he probably came in this year and we don't get to see a lot of special team stuff. And we definitely don't get to report on a lot of special team stuff, but you have to figure that he really made his mark on Heath Farwell. Yeah. You, you know what? It When you put that out there on Twitter, well, my first, my first reaction was it's a little early in the day to be drinking. (laughs) (laughs) My second thought was this just tells me that when we're out there and we're watching things, there's clearly stuff that you and I and the rest of the media don't see Mm -hmm. that trained eyeballs who only watch football every day of their life. See, they, they saw something in him, and, and, it's, and some of that has to do with it happens behind, you know, it closed doors. It happens when we're not out there. I mean, this guy obviously at some point made them comfortable enough to release guys that most of us had making the 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought Voshan was going to make it. I, I thought that, you know, or, or Tyrell. Like, I thought one of those two. I thought it was going to come down to those two. Clearly, I don't – I'll tell you what. If – if you pick that roster move, you know, I mean, kudos because, like, I don't know many people that saw that one coming. Yeah, Delshawn, like you said, we were talking. And I was like, real. Like, I had to even take take a look at the text first, and I was like, okay. I mean, you know, hadn't heard his name once during camp by any of the media members, anything like that. So, like Josh said, they're clearly doing things behind closed doors. Phillips was impressive in, in whatever that was. Uh, took one of those two spots, you know, good for Tyrell Dotson. He earned a lot of praise recently from the coaching staff, uh, came in last year as an undrafted guy and learned the playbook. Um, so, you know, the linebacker depth is going to be interesting. I expect Andre Smith back. He kind of even alluded to that in terms of being a practice squad guy. Um, and maybe even, you know, I don't know if the Bills will get that pick back. I think that's the what they're expecting. But it might have actually been a savvy move by the Bills because now – you can get him onto that practice squad a little bit faster and get him right up to speed in terms of getting him into practice because he's done all the COVID testing. He's done everything you need to do where if you claim someone else off of a roster from another team, they have to go through the whole testing process and it's going to be days before you can actually get them onto the field. Josh Reed, my man, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow. Tell them to head to Channel 4. What time are we? Uh, 11, 1130. Give, them, give everybody yeah, the details. Going, so, yeah, so from 11 to 1130, we're going to be on WNLO, Buffalo Kickoff Live. And then from 1130 to noon, we're going to be on WIVB. So it's an hour long this season, every week, every Sunday, live pregame show. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, it's got we got the – the usual cast of characters. And then we even added maybe our biggest character yet <laughs> and Matt Prino. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a really good time. You know, we have plenty to talk about tomorrow with, with all of the roster moves that have happened. And then of course there's a chance that we'll know some of the practice squad stuff tomorrow. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to go over all this again. It'll be fun.
at the very least, you added the third best hair on the show. Like, the, oh, they, I'll take that mantle. I think Heather should probably be at number one. You'll probably oh, at number no, two. And then no. I'll come in at number three, probably. No, we'll see. At 43, I'm just glad to have it. There you go. <laughs> two kids and I'm 43, man. Just happy to have it. Love it. All right, brother. Take care. Take care. Thanks, guys. So, um, Ryan, let's get this fixed here. Appreciative of, of Josh joining the show. We didn't even give the usual kickoff here. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. We are live after the big uh, uh, cutdown day extravaganza. We had we had a little bit of a wait for ourselves there, Ryan. What were you thinking? I mean, there was rumors uh, uh, abounding. Uh, Fairburn t- uh, reported the Bills were working on a trade uh, for Robert Foster before the deadline. So I think that you know everybody kind of thought, okay, we'll see if this is going to be uh, a deal here that's holding things up. We get to the end, and obviously the Bills were forced to um, cut Robert Foster. Were you surprised that maybe they waited so long? I, I feel like, you know, obviously these are tough times. It's always easy to second guess, but I almost think that after you drafted Hodgins and, and Gabriel Davis back in April, for me, the move would have been to jump on, get get working out a deal for Robert Foster around that time. Yeah, if you were convinced that he wasn't going to be able to claim one of those final spots, it probably would have been a better time to look for a trade partner at that point. Now, you know, did they have any serious offers today? We may never know, but uh, you would like to think that maybe that the whole fact that they waited so long to release them was because they had been talking with another team leading right up to that deadline. Uh, It's going to be interesting. Real quick in the comments, truth to hearts, I'm going to circle back to you. Don't take your victory lap just yet. He said, oh, y'all, remove my comment. I was right. Bye-bye, Roberts. He's expected to be re-signed tomorrow. He, he's still going to be part of this team. So technicality, I guess, uh, you were right in terms of he, he didn't make the initial 53-man roster, but it, it's a uh, just a savvy I, move by the team. He'll, he'll be I love there. When, I love when Ryan gets a little snarky. <laughs> like, yeah, truth to hearts, kind of coming in here, uh, puffing his chest out like Vince McMahon, and, and Ryan drops the hammer. I love it. Listen, this is a big day for Ryan Talbot today, man. I, I hope you guys are all following. I believe it was uh, uh, Draft Diamonds uh, who, who tweeted, if you're not following this guy, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, they, he was just all over the place. And I think one of the biggest things people say, I think somebody else said, you know, this, you know, uh, a product of, of, you know, hard work over the years and no doubt about it, you know, obviously you're a hard worker, but I also think it just pays to be a good dude. You know what I mean? Like when you're dealing with, you know, all these different people in this business, you know, if you're an honest guy and you're somebody that, you know, you know, just has a good conversation with somebody and that goes a long way. So I want to say hats off to you. I'm not wearing one today. The the hair is working, but um, great job today, buddy. Hey, thank you. That means a lot. And, and big time shout out to Draft Diamond. That's my cousin, Damon. He he does a lot of work with uh, small school prospects, guys that fly into the radar, don't get the attention that maybe they deserve. So I uh, really appreciate that. Really appreciate your comments as well. Um, let's talk a little bit more about um, this roster. I mean, now that you're, we're kind of settling on this thing here, letting it marinate for an hour or so, um, what, what's maybe your biggest surprise where you went in, you know, even to this morning where you were like pretty confident something was hap- was going to happen, whether it be Isaiah McKenzie getting cut, uh, Trent Murphy getting cut or being kept. I mean, where were you where, you know, wh- wh- where was the biggest shock provided? I think it was Trent Murphy and Daryl Johnson. I had one or the other making the roster. And in my last uh, 53-man roster projection, it was Murphy who made it in. 
Johnson on the outside. So the fact that they both made it surprised me a little bit just because they already have Jerry Hughes. They already have Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa. Uh, they have some guys that can play inside outside, Quentin Jefferson, for instance. So they had so much talent there. I figured, okay, well, Murphy, you know, I, I mentioned all the things he did well earlier in the show. I said, it's either going to come down to him or it's going to come down to Johnson. Johnson played some defensive snaps last year, was a special teams uh, contributor, played a lot of snaps in special teams, but I didn't expect both of them to make it. So for me, that was my big surprise. What about you? You know, I think it's from for me. And I, I wanted to hit back on this a little bit because I wanted to let you guys get into it at the, at the, at the top of the show. But I, I, under, I, I saw a comment in here where, you know, it, why does anybody think that, you know, you move on from a fifth round pick? It happens all the time. I mean, it happens more than you think in, in a lot of years, when, especially for teams that have better rosters, where they put together a good collection of talent. And I just thought that from what I saw out of Jake Fromm now, if you have the ability ability to roster him, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, there's some guys that they, they kind of moved some things around, some guys that were cut today that, you know, kind of uh, surprised me a little bit, if you will, not having to keep one of uh, Cam Lewis or Dane Jackson, Cuddy Marlowe now, uh, Evan Bain being cut. Um, there were just some moves where I just thought, okay, now you're you're giving yourself some more wiggle room at some of these other spots. And it makes sense. If, if you have plans now for Jake Fromm and with what happened off the field and the whole text message situation, for them to still kind of be hanging tough with them as they got into this uh, training camp period for him to make it through training camp. And it seems like, you know, you never know what the level of acceptance is in the room, but it, it makes more sense. And I, and I just think that it's a situation where you have to be um, confident in your quarterback room in a season like this. If you oh. go a week and somebody goes down, you got to be ready to you know, make adjustments. Yeah, 100%. And, and going back to the draft talk, you're right. Every year, draft picks get released. There were some seventh-rounders, sixth-rounders, I think uh, fifth-rounder because the uh, kicker that the Patriots drafted was released today too. And then even look at what the Raiders did today. The Raiders traded a running back slash wide receiver that they drafted this year, Lynn Bowden Jr., to Miami for a fourth-round pick. I believe they, they sent a sixth-rounder and that and the wide receiver running back for a fourth-round pick. So in terms of draft stock, you know, they showed that, oh, man, I, they must have made some kind of colossal mistake, like seeing him back there. Whatever he did uh, was not impressive enough to the Raiders. So, yeah, even some in some cases, you see these higher picks go. The Jets had a third-round pick that they uh, released last year. And I think he's wherever he is at now, he actually stuck with the team and I'm blanking on his name, but it does happen all the time. All right. This has been quite a day. And we were talking about it before, like these, these cut down days, first of all, they kind of like stink. I know that they're, it's kind of fun for fans, but to be honest with you, it's something that, um, it's kind of a bummer as you watch like a lot of these guys that you know don't make it and you know how much work that they put into it we get a chance to talk to a lot of these guys over the course of the process but you know for a lot of sad stories there are some cool ones i mean like to see the the joy from isaiah mckenzie today was pretty cool to see and you know you see his teammates were happy happy for him um so i i think that um it's something it, it's a cool day it's a sad day there's there's a lot that goes into it but um you know, it's one of your one of the days that you look forward to a lot because you do spend a lot of time getting to know some of the lesser known guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you feel really happy when you get the news that they've made it. Yeah, and you feel that sadness when they tell you they didn't, or or you know, or you hear that they didn't, whatever the case may be. So you 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 almost get emotionally invested in some of these stories just because, like you said, there are some great ones, there are some sad ones. Uh, so it's just easy to to kind of uh, follow some of these players and get excited for their journey. But at the same time, you you hope that the ones that were let go, that this isn't the end of their journey and they find a new home elsewhere or on a practice squad. You got about five minutes left here. Um, if you have any like, you know, lingering questions, hit us, hit it with us, hit us now with it. We're going to come back. We got a full stack week for you guys next week. I'm so excited. Monday, we're going to have our big AFC East preview show. It is going to be a round table style. We've never done five uh, at a time in here uh, on this app yet. So we'll ch- we'll get that um, Matt. checked out. Oh, is that true? Yeah, four-year extension in the works for Trey White. Another breaking news story here. Dude, what is going I'm on shocked. with that? Wow. So it, it, are, the, are the terms being reported? We have to check this yeah. out here, folks. Finalizing a lucrative four-year contract extension. Wow. Who had it first here? Ian Rappaport? No, Schefter and, and Jeremy Fowler is what I saw. Wow. 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 Tredavious white. Well, rest easy bills fans. I know that there were some that were nervous about the potential of uh, him moving on or finding a new team. He looks like he'll be locked up for four more years. So let's, let's react to that. You know, I, I think that one of the things with, with Trey white is, you know, getting him locked up long-term, not only, not only is it something like, okay, we got, we got ourselves a top tier corner for the next five years. That's great. Like you, you obviously want, want that kind of uh, comfort, but I think it also continues to send a message and it's an important timing because we're talking about all, being all in on 2020, the move to bring back Trent Murphy, you know, keeping Isaiah McKenzie in the mix because of their experience on both sides of the ball. Well, get sending a message like this, re-signing Deion Dawkins, getting it done with Tredavious White. All these guys from Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen to Ed Oliver uh, to Dawson Knox, Motor Singletary to Zach Moss, AJ Epines, all these rookies, they got to be wide eyed sitting there thinking, man, you know, if, if you go out there, if you sell out, if you make plays, if you develop, you're going to get take, taken care of in this organization. Yeah, those, those are the three words that we heard over and over again from Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott draft, develop, extend. And they're showing that they are men of their words when it comes to this. Now, obviously, they still have. Guys like Matt Milano, not every player that they draft can be resigned. Hopefully, Milano does end up getting a deal here because he has been great. But they are. They're, they're taking these key pieces, these young cornerstone players, and they're extending them when they have shown that they're doing the right things on and off the field. So it is encouraging for these younger guys who have deals that will be coming up in the next few years. So, you know, kudos to that front office. Kudos to the Bills for getting this done because, you know, I, I think some people, myself included at times, thought White could have decided to kind of write out his rookie deal to, to wait and see what the the record or whatever the highest paid cornerback would be at the time when his contract was up and try to break that. He might end up being the highest paid corner now when all is said and done, but that market's going to keep going up. So it's it, you know good for the Bills for getting it done sooner rather than later. Yeah, and that is what uh, Jeremy Fowler is re- reporting, and this will make him the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. And that's a pretty cool thing for Bills fans. I mean, you have yourself now – at one position, arguably the greatest player at that position in the NFL. And how many times has that happened over the course of the last two decades for the Bills? I mean, I can't really think off the top of my head 
any one player. I mean, there's been some really good top five type caliber players, but you know, we're talking about last year. We got to watch it in week 16. I, I know that there will be the people that stand up for Stefan Gilmore and rightfully so. I mean, he's a great player, uh, but we got to watch as he gave up, you know, a pretty big touchdown catch to John Brown last year. Tredavious White didn't give up any last year. No, he was outstanding from the get go. Uh, he's just gotten better every single year. And, and, you know, he hasn't even played his best ball yet. Probably that's the scary part for opposing wide receivers. He's still a young player in this league. Uh, so I, I think that his ceiling has not even been reached to this point. Wow. Ryan, two shows in a row on Monday. It was the, the, or, uh, the, I, I can't even, the days are all <laughs> just melting together, but this is, we, we had the kicker news break when Steven Hauschka was released and now Tredavious white going to be a Buffalo bill for the next five seasons here. Wow. Impressive stuff. All right. Let's run through the lineup here. So you guys all know we got over 300 people through all the, all the platforms. We we're so appreciative of you guys, man. You guys have made this rocking. Uh, if you could, it helps us out even more. If you know, we, we want you on the live shows, no doubt about it, but if you can, you know, sometimes you can't watch the whole thing. Go, go subscribe, rate and review on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, uh, Amazon. I think we're on, we're, I think we're on pretty much everything. Uh, tune in overcast Podbean. All of them. I'm just running through them all here. Just do all of that just so you can get it on replay when you want it because these go right there after we're done this week, Monday. Huge show, AFC East preview. We're going to have Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald, Chris Ryan from NJ.com, and Josh Tolentino, who just took over the Miami Dolphins beat for the Athletic. Um, buddy of mine, we talked to him a couple seasons ago when he was covering the Packers for the athletics. So he's been around the, uh, all over the place. We are going to dive into this conference. Now that all of these 53 man rosters are set, that'll be Monday night at 8 PM Wednesday night. We're going to get it done. We teased you last week, but we got it coming on this week. Tyler Dunn, the man, former bills beat writer, uh, one of the best in the game, if not the best, uh, NFL features writer in the game, uh, looking for his next opportunity. We'll talk to him a little bit about that. Uh, and then we will have our first game next week. We're going to have to have a preview show on Friday and then uh, some football finally on Sunday. We appreciate you guys. Um, thank you so much for watch watching. He is Ryan Talbot. Follow him on Twitter right now. It's right there at Ryan Talbot Bills. Scoop man. I'm going to start calling you the scoop man. <laughs> I like it. And next time I'm out in Olean, I'm going to ask you to get me a scoop of ice cream because we're both big ice cream fans, uh, as we both know. 100%. Um, all right, guys, I'm Matt Perino, Shout Football Podcast, NYUpSyracuse.com for all your Bills content. We will see you on Monday night. Take care, guys.